T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. You guys know the respect that I have for Coach Pat, and we used the offseason a lot. He, he was great with the defense, but we also pulled him to the offensive side and did just that. I had some good sit-downs with him, and um, I'd be foolish to not find out um, what he thought about our, our offensive um, personnel and what he thought about the offensive play calling and what he, like, tendency-wise. And um, you, you got to pick his brain. I mean, he's, he's been in this league for a long time, and he's been really beneficial to both sides. Ah, no doubt, Matt Nagy. You got extra brains in the room, especially extra brains who have been a part of enemy territory. You got to take advantage of that. So no surprise they are doing that with Mike Pettin, since he is no longer in Green Bay, making use of him here in Chicago with the Bears. I'm Anthony Heron. This is hour number two of my evening here with you this Friday evening on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Man who operates in all kinds of friendly and enemy territory, roaming every NFL vantage point you can imagine. Chicago Bears beat writer for the athletic Kevin Fishbane with me here on the score. You can find Kevin on Twitter at KFishbane and his work at the athletic shy and the athletic NFL. Kevin, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, Anthony. Good to talk to you. Yeah, man. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, so, well, first off, mo- most importantly, so I'm going to go out to practice, check the guys out in person for the first time this season. I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. Uh, will, will you be there? Are you like a? Do you take Saturday mornings off? Get your weekend relaxation in? Or are you going to be out there? Oh man, no off days, right? Get the Bill <laughs> Belichick. No off days. I'll be there. I look forward to uh, to seeing you out there. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird, like. I don't know what day it is. I mean, you you remember this from when you played, right? Like you like especially during training camp. Because once the season gets going, you you, fig, you you get into that routine. But training camp can be a little bit wonky. You forget where you are. You forget mm-hmm. what day it is. Early mornings. Um, but no, I will. Uh, I'll be out there and uh, ready to see uh, ready to see some hitting because they'll be in yeah, the pads man. again. Now, what were your impressions going full pads today? Well, what did you see? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like they're in a position right now where even in the midst of all the O-line injuries, you got to get some work in. So did they still keep popping pretty good out there? Yeah, I, I wonder I wonder if Matt Nagy wished there could have been more. Uh, it, it, all, it felt like they kind of had to limit the reps. I don't know that for sure. But, you know, look, you're down to nine offensive linemen by the end of practice. So... There's only so much you could do, and you really can't afford any more of these guys to get hurt. Um, and so I, I, you know, I wonder if they're being a little bit careful. But it was kind of fun to see when they got down to the goal line. You know, just that that experience of handoff to Dave Montgomery, 
You, you have Cody Whitehair and Sam for pushing the pile and get him in the end zone because, you know, I think we've seen that this team has struggled in short yardage at times um, under Matt Nagy. So getting that practice in, and that, that that's the type of stuff that you need those live reps to practice that. Um, so you saw a little bit of that. Um, you know, we didn't see as much like the past. I, I love watching, and I'm sure you do too, the pass rush drills between, mm-hmm. you know, the front seven guys, the offensive linemen. We didn't see a ton of that, you know, maybe again because because the offensive linemen were, you know, were so kind of nicked up. So, you know, we'll stay tuned for that. One one kind of fun drill you had, you know, I always also, another one, the linebackers versus the running backs yeah. um, is a good one. And whether it's, in you know, on Tuesday, it was the running backs and pass pro. So then you, you see some big collisions there. You see which running backs can kind of handle it. Um, and then today it was getting those guys out in space and seeing them run routes with the linebackers. So it's always fun when, and because that really shows you how good Roquan Smith is, right? You know, the, the, like <laughs> the fact that he can run with these guys. I, I wrote this today, Anthony, that, that uh, uh, Roquan Smith is a great play to watch at camp because in shorts and shells, you see how fast he is. And mm. then you put the pads on him and you remember how physical and instinctive he is as well. Yeah, he, he does so many things at such a high level. And I, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing how Sean Desai utilizes him in his version or Vic Fangio's version of the, the new flavored Vic version of whatever this defense is going to be. There's a lot of fun that he can have with Roquan. I'll be curious to kind of check out his creativity with that once we get into the season here. Uh, sticking with the, with the O-line, though, for a moment, with all those injuries that they have up front, are you hearing much, much chirping, many rumblings about – other individuals, other personnel, some exp- – I mean, they could have used some more experience to tackle even before everybody started dropping like flies. So at this point, now that they're so shorthanded, are you getting the sense or hearing much about them bringing in other experience? Yeah, I know there was a report out uh, a, a couple hours ago about an interior lineman, I believe a center, that they're going to bring in. Because um, you're right, you, you kind of at this point – well, there's two. There's two avenues you go down. One is you just need bodies. You just need camp bodies, guys that can, you know, because right, you know, today you want to have three sets of offensive linemen essentially if you can get it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes one guy will play second team guard and third team center, things like that. But today you had nine guys, so you had a couple guys playing first team, second team, and third team offensive line. It's it's, it's a great opportunity for those young guys, <laughs> but that's a lot of reps. So I think that so that's the one avenue. Just get a couple more bodies in to, to keep your main guys fresh. Then there's the avenue of do we want to bring in like a veteran tackle who we can rely on and and if if Jenkins or Fetty or Elijah Wilkinson or Larry Borum are not ready for week one, we could put this guy in. And you know the problem is if it's it's August sixth and you're not on a roster, there's a reason for it. Either you're Russell Okun and you're kind of looking for the perfect spot and you're probably going to ask for a decent amount of cash and you're looking to start like you're not looking to come in and just help out in training camp and fill in until somebody comes back like you're going to be the guy or you know so that guy's available but then uh, after that you you got guys who are available for a reason because they're just not good enough to be on a team or maybe they're coming off some injury um so you know i think if bears fans are looking for a little bit of optimism maybe the fact that they have not brought in Somebody at tackle tells you that that they think that some of these guys can come back soon, because um, again, you just kind of need bodies at this point. You know, the other thing I should mention, Anthony, is with the COVID nineteen protocols, some of them still in place. It takes a little while longer to do that whole free agent visit operation. Mm. 
uh, especially for guys who are not vaccinated. They have to go through the same protocols as last year. So, like, you can come in, and then you got to kind of quarantine for a few days, get tested, and then work out. So you can't, you know, bet, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I, I believe a vaccinated guy or I, I, well, let me put it this way, you know, two years ago, and, and, and you know this, you call a guy up, he's on a plane the next morning, comes in, gives you the workout, does the physical sign, he's at practice the next morning. So, you know, they just, it, it's just harder to do that uh, to the, in, in today's game. But I also wonder if maybe they think some of these guys can come back if they're not going to be aggressive and bring new guys in. Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic with me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. And I find myself as I'm not only reading a few things, but then hearing other individuals like Tom Thayer talk about what their observations have been of Tevin Jenkins. Obviously, you can't observe him out there competing on the practice field yet, but just watching him interacting or lack thereof with some teammates it does seem to call more into question of how close he may or may not legitimately be to returning to action. Are you able to, to put your thumb on, on any, any inkling of, of how long this may draw out with him? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's, I think it's fair to kind of, you know, hit the panic button a little bit there and raise the level of concern. Um, you know, they, they didn't put him on the pup list to start camp, which tells you that they thought it, this wouldn't take very long. Mm-hmm. Did, does that mean that he had a setback? We don't know. Um, you, you said, as you said, Tom Thayer was saying, like, sometimes we see him out there, sometimes we don't. It's just, it's so hard to tell. When you're talking about an offensive lineman and a back injury, obviously you start really fearing the worst about what that can mean short-term, long-term. Um, so you're just kind of hoping that, that this is a guy that, that's going to be, you know, okay and able to start helping out soon. But the other thing too is, you know, let's say, let's say most optimistic, right? Most optimistic that tomorrow the trainer says, okay, it's time to get him in. So maybe tomorrow he's doing, he's limited, he's doing individual drills, right? Well then Sunday, same thing. Monday they're off. And then Tuesday, do you want his first full padded practice to be against the Dolphins? To be against, you know, on the one hand, yes, you want him out there against the Dolphins. On the other hand, if he's just coming off a back injury, it's his first ever fully padded practice in the NFL. His first padded practice since, what, last November. I don't know if you want him going against guys who are fighting and scrapping to make a team. Uh, so then you have to keep that in mind. So maybe you keep him limited again. Maybe, and then you're talking about, does he not even get that really first full practice until after the preseason game? So I'm kind of laying out that scenario to remind folks that even when he's ready to go, it might still take a few days for him to get acclimated. And that's not even getting to the whole getting used to the offense and knowing mm-hmm. where you're going. And, and, and I use this comparison the other day, Anthony, you know, in terms of that you can't compare it, and that's Jalen Johnson. Right. Remember last year, Jalen Johnson missed like all of training camp. He was barely right. out there. Well, week one, there he is. And it's so much easier at corner. You know, you just I mean, obviously he's got to know his assignments, but you can say, hey, Jalen, the guy across from you, cover him and, <laughs> and you're good to go. Right. And, you know, you can't do that with Tevin Jenkins. You can't say, hey, Tevin, whoever's in front of you, just block him. You know, you, there's a lot more that he has to know and understand. And, and you just. You know, Matt Nagy talked so much about how the offensive line coming together, when they found that right group of five late last year, that's what helped them get on that run. And here we are, there were three second and third string guys out there with the first team. So this is this has become like it was 
kind of like, okay, we're waiting, let's see what happens. Then it kind of got a little bit like almost humorous. Like, I, I again, you don't want to laugh at a guy getting hurt, but it just mm. it just seemed like ridiculous how many guys are getting hurt. Well, now you sit back and you, and you you laid it out perfectly. You sit back and be like, this is a real problem for them. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing when you look at how it will affect the preseason games. You need enough bodies to get through that. And one thing that I've made such an issue here over in the initial seasons that Matt Nagy was here about the lack of repetitions for important players, for especially offensive starters in preseason games, that side of the ball where you need the most work, and he wasn't giving the guys any live work during the preseason. His plan had changed at this point. But now the entire O-line seems banged up, and so it, it seems like these, these opposing forces working against Matt Nagy seemingly wanting to, to maybe orchestrate a more physical brand of football and you know more workmanlike approach to things, getting guys the reps they need. But now you got guys dropping like flies, both soft tissue and, and other issues that have come up here. I'm wondering if what you're seeing in practice, is it, is it indicative? Because we, we could either see – the Matt Nagy offense where he was trying to do the Philly KC thing, or maybe it's still the Bill Lazer-ish, you know, bootleg, run-focused last six weeks of the season. What you're seeing on the practice field, is it giving you a sense for what version of Bears offense we may actually see during the season? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I lean more towards some of the Kansas City Philly stuff, but you also have to remember – some of the stuff that Andy Dalton did in Cincinnati, right? You know, the, some mm-hmm. of the stuff that, that he and Bill Lazor did, because we keep hearing guys talk about, I think it was Darnell Mooney said, you know, Andy Dalton comes in the huddle, and they're all kind of standing there being like, does this guy even know the play? And then he spits it all out. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, this guy, this, this dude knows the play. He's been doing this for a long time. So I, I, I would say, you know, for now, I, I would say it's a little bit of a blend. I mean, we'd see... Obviously, we've seen Justin Fields outside the pocket a lot more than we've seen Andy Dalton outside the pocket, which maybe tells you, you know, that their ability, you know, Laser and, and, and Matt Nagy to be flexible based on who's in there and, and working to, towards their skill set. Um, you know, and, and you're seeing both those guys doing RPO stuff as well. Um, and I, and I, I think one thing that I've kind of liked seeing, Anthony, is the way that both quarterbacks work the middle of the field. Okay. And I I remember when Matt Nagy came here, you know, you, you studied Kansas City and you thought that was a place to exploit. And you look at the Bears personnel and you're like, wow, they're going to really tear up the middle of the field. And they just really haven't done that. And part of that's, you know, you could talk about the quarterback inconsistency and the offensive line inconsistency. But I look at tight end, right? You know, you just haven't gotten what you wanted out of tight end for a couple of years. Um, you know, slot receiver inconsistency. So now you look at Cole Komet, I think he's, he's looked outstanding. He really has, and, and, and that guy, you know, I would say Cole Komet has probably caught maybe the most passes of anybody at camp, um, certainly among the first-team offense, and, you know, part of that is I think a lot of these times camp uh, allows for a tight end to pee open a lot. Um, it's just kind of the way that, the, the you know, when you're not being really physical, that giant six foot seven guy is going to look pretty, pretty wide open. Um, but but I, I could see, you know, whatever blend of, of – of the laser bangles and what we saw last year and, and the, what Nagy likes to do from Kansas city and Philadelphia, you know, I, I would like to see his team really try to utilize the middle of the field more. And it seems like they've been trying to do that at camp. You gave me a name there before I let you roll. I, I did want to get a, get a concrete sense who has stood out to you. Is there someone beyond Cole Komet that's really kind of flashed to you on the practice field so far? Yeah, you know, I think it's the players that you would, if you're Ryan Pace, these are the guys you're excited about that they're flashing. It's Cole Komet, it's Darnell Mooney, 
Um, you know, those two guys have caught a lot of passes. They've looked like they've taken kind of that second year jump that you hope for when they get the full off season. You know, Mooney just, you know, he looks smooth and he's made some big time catches down the sideline. Um, Dave Montgomery, I think has looked the best that I've seen him probably in his three training camps. Uh, so, you know, th- those three guys certainly have, have kind of stood out, uh, among, among the offense. I mentioned Roquan Smith, I think Bilal Nichols too, when you talk about that, that, that interior defensive line and getting a push, um, some of the times the offense has really been really disrupted. You, you've seen it from Nichols, a little bit of Akeem Hicks as well. And look, I'll say this too, Anthony, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but sometimes I think it's worth reminding, Cleo Mack is really good, right? Like he <laughs> is still really, really, really good. And, and I watched one, you know, one pass rush rep today. And again, remember, he's going against these second and third string tackles, so it's going to look pretty obvious. But just watching him out there, you're like, okay, I remember that this guy is an incredible player. So, you know, just kind of the early glimpses, you, you get these little, you know, these little, like, again, the reminders that, like, hey, Khalil Mack is pretty good at his job. With with Eddie Goldman, is he, like, it, so did I read correctly? It's It was anticipated as a false positive then? Does that mean Eddie Goldman may be back on the practice field pretty soon? Yeah, it's a good question. We don't, you know, we don't know um, that, you know, Matt Nagy wouldn't say. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll he can't uh, get a hold of him, right? Like, well, yeah, Eddie, he lost Eddie's number. Eddie won't answer his calls or his DMs or whatever. Yeah, he's got to send a carrier pigeon Eddie Goldman's house, I guess, to get <laughs> get him on, get him a hold of him. You know, I, I, the the quicker any of these guys on the list come back, the more likely it is that it was some kind of false positive situation or 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 something where they're asymptomatic and get the negative tests and, you know, like maybe guy who is vaccinated, you know, it was able to come back quicker. So I don't know. Um, you know, the fact that nobody came back today, uh, you know, again, there's so many different protocols, Anthony, it's hard to keep track of them. Um, <laughs> but like, again, you know, the first thing, whenever you hear about someone's on the list, my first thing is like, well, I hope they're okay. Right. You know, you hope that right. that's like, that's, that's one. And then you start thinking, then you, you go to the football aspect of it and like, yeah, you need these guys back. So, you know, the sooner they're back, you know, the more likely it is that, that it was either, either was a false positive or, or something where, you know, they, they, they were, they were asymptomatic or, or able to test negative, whatever it is. So, you know, we'll, we'll get our next update from Matt Nagy tomorrow morning. And, you know, the problem, Anthony, with these press conferences is we haven't gotten good news in a while. <laughs> at these morning press conferences before camp. And usually when you come off like an off day, you get the, all right, you know, blah, blah, had a day off. He's going to be back out there today. So-and-so is going to be back out there today. I mean, three days ago, Matt Nagy's like, yo, Robert Quinn, we're just going to, we're going to keep him sideline today, work on his back. Well, now Robert Quinn's missed three practices in a row, you know? So, and the guys in the COVID-19 list, they got put on the list Tuesday, you know, today's Friday, no updates. So, you know, hopefully, for the Bears' sake, for everybody's sake, tomorrow morning, man, I can at least give that that somebody, even if it's like Josh Woods, just give us somebody <laughs> that is back on the field and is healthy. What if it's Devin Jenkins? That would be a pleasant surprise. I wouldn't yeah. count on it, though. That would be nice. Well, I will see you out there tomorrow morning, man. I'm looking forward to it. See some pads pop. Watch you guys go to work out there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, Kevin, appreciate you, man. That is Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at KFishbane. Check his workout. You can hit up uh, at The Athletic Shy and at The Athletic NFL. He is all over those spots. I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to keep some football discussion rolling here. I have a story from my rookie season in the NFL that relates uh, quite closely to what we're seeing play out with Larry Borum. 
Let me share a personal anecdote with you next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Back here on this Friday edition, Friday night edition, Faith and the Heron Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Had a lot of fun talking. Bunch of baseball from the Wind Trust Crosstown Classic, Crosstown Series, Crosstown Cup. There are a lot of different names associated with it, but we spent a lot of time in the first hour talking that. We've been really football heavy, Bears heavy here in hour number two. And with Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic, in the previous segment, I spent a lot of time talking about the offensive line because that is the the topic du jour, the topic du week, topic de de seasons uh, between Matt Nagy and and even you know predating Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace as well, because I think you know city of Chicago, you folks out there, you're fairly fairly intelligent sports football fan base and you you recognize the importance of that group of large individuals up front what they mean to the success or lack thereof the team has and when the Bears have struggled the offensive line has been in the midst of struggles for most of those times as well so Larry Borum is a name that has come up here a lot more in in recent practices essentially because the second-round pick, Tevin Jenkins, who the Bears were rightfully very excited about. You get your quarterback in the first round. You get your, what at the time, in the midst of the draft, we didn't know it was going to for sure be your left tackle. Just thinking, out. Oh, you get a young starting tackle early in the draft. That's great. A lot of folks have been screaming about that. I'm one of them. All right, you got that? Then they immediately oust Charles Leno. Get rid of Charles Leno. And so now it's like, oh, you went out and got a left tackle. This guy's apparently going to be a left tackle for you. It's going to happen early. You get that in the second round of the draft. That's an aggressive maneuver. We're going to see how quickly that comes to fruition. So now fast forward to training camp and everything that's gone on since then with the, the requisite health at the position and the lack of health at that position and many others across the offensive front. And it'd be one thing if – they had found a way to to insulate themselves at the tackle position, but frankly, they haven't. I mean, you certainly in aside from Tevin Jenkins, there's been a lot of mid to late round draft picks that that have been utilized at the position to bring in other guys who have potential. Like you know, they drafted Arlington Hambright last year. I said, you know what? That's a guy I'm excited about. I called a couple of his games, and he was at Colorado. I think he's got some potential. Maybe as a guard, maybe as a tackle, hard to say for sure, but liked what I saw out of him at the collegiate level, but was worthy of a late-round pick and being a developmental-type prospect and kind of felt similar about Larry Borum. And now we've been hearing the name Larry Borum emerging more and more here lately as he's gotten more and more opportunities with Tevin Jenkins not being available to practice, and apparently Larry Borum has been flourishing in these opportunities and not only flourishing as a right tackle, but has shown enough, whereas the left tackle position is essentially vacant, they started getting Larry Borm some work on the left side too. Where things have unfortunately taken a turn, as I'm sure many of you know, is the fact that now he, Larry Borm, the rookie fifth round pick, is in the concussion protocol as well. And so now you have another 
offensive line talent, someone who has apparently and reportedly been impressing everyone under the sun out there with the opportunity to watch him get the job done. Now he's banged up too. Where that relates to my personal story, my rookie year, I wasn't even a fifth-round pick. I was an undrafted free agent by the Detroit Lions. And as I got into the – I was part of the Marty Morningweg experiment in 2001. I I always call it the experiment because when uh, when the Ford family hired Matt Millen to take over as the general manager, Matt ends up deciding he is going to hire Steve Mariucci. He went out, got all his buddies in San Francisco because they had great relationships with the 49ers franchise – Wanted to go hire Mooch, couldn't nab Mooch. So he decided, let me get the poor man's Mooch instead. Grabbed his offensive coordinator, Marty Morningweg. Marty comes in as the head coach. Uh, Things did not go well, long story short, for Marty's brief time as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. But my rookie year in 01, there was a lot of newness in Detroit. And so on the defensive front, we had a veteran crew. It was like the only real veteran group that was there in that period in Detroit was the D-line. It was a really deep and talented crew. Guys like Robert Porsche, who had made multiple Pro Bowls, Luther Ellis, multi-time Pro Bowler, Kelvin Pritchett in the league for a decade, and um, Tracy Scroggins, names that, that you probably know, that you've heard if you've been watching the game, and especially watching it in this division for a number of years. So a lot of that type of talent was just all over the place. Then then there was there was me and this other guy, James Hall, who James Hall was an undrafted free agent out of Michigan the year before they brought me in as an undrafted free agent out of Iowa. I ended up being in a a similar situation with Larry Borm, where there were guys who were initially, now the guys ahead of me initially on the depth chart were more veteran, but guys who were ahead of me on the depth chart, guys like Robert Porsche and Tracy Scroggins, who it turned into a situation where I as they only gave Porsche certain amounts of reps or Scroggins had to miss time, miss, miss complete practices. Uh, Jared DeVries, who was actually an Iowa teammate of mine, he ended up getting hurt. And so he was a third round pick a couple of years before I got to Detroit. So they were sapped for depth. So I was getting more and more work through mini camps and through OTAs and then through training camp. I was getting a lot of opportunities and frankly, I was doing really well. And, you know, some of the some of the coaches like uh, Vince Tobin made a couple of couple of little comments in the media about about me and what I was doing and out on the practice field. Yeah, we got this rookie free agent. Things are going well for Anthony Heron. Saw some of that. I'm getting excited. I know I'm performing well. I feel great about it. I get in the first preseason game. I break my foot in the first quarter of my first preseason game that I played my rookie year. And I'm just limping around the rest of the preseason game, limping around every practice after that. I mean, I've been out here balling the entire offseason. I'm thinking about all this money I'm going to make in the league. I'm thinking about all this stuff I'm going to do. I'm thinking about all the Pro Bowls I'm going to make. Like, hey, this Robert Porsche making Pro Bowls. I'm playing as well as him. Yeah, I'm going to make some Pro Bowls too. I'm going to make my tens of millions of dollars. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to dominate the NFL. Break my foot in the first preseason game and – you know, things just kind of that, that was just sort of the direction my career went from there. But specific to my rookie season, I come out of that first preseason game with the broken foot. And I hobble around in the next preseason game. I'm not trying to miss time. You can't make the club in the tub. My coaches are telling me. So I continue to hobble my way through camp. Week later, they're tired of watching me hobble around. I'm the, I'm the rookie free agent that's hit the wall. They're tired of watching me try to limp my way through everything. They appreciate my toughness, but I'm not playing well enough anymore. 
They go out, bring in a veteran presence. They go out and sign Alonzo Spellman. Now, however many of you, I don't know if Mike Rankin, if you're old enough to remember much about Alonzo Spellman, does the name sound familiar to you? Uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have because I am not familiar. <laughs> Alonzo Spellman was a former Bears first-round pick from the Ohio State University. This is an individual who stood about 6'5", but was ext- was maybe the most bow-legged man I've ever been around in my entire life. So Alonzo Spellman is probably about 7 feet tall, in legs and arms. Problem is, nothing was straight. Everything was angular within his frame. But he looked like the most amazing physical specimen you've ever seen in your life. Just not an ounce of fat anywhere on him. And he had moments, he had flashes in his Bears career where he was able to showcase these marvelous physical abilities that he had. It flamed out for a lot of other reasons, both on the field and off, that I won't have time to go into detail about here. But at this point... He had bounced around the NFL for a number of years, the Bears, the Cowboys, you name it. So he's here, and I think uh, the, the time he comes to Detroit in 2001 was one of his final NFL stops. So I know Alonzo Spellman very well because between when I was a really young kid watching Richard Dent terrorize quarterbacks and then Trace Armstrong, but then as I'm like getting old enough to play football in the 90s, Alonzo Spellman is the guy I'm watching play the position that I'm going to eventually play. So it was a big deal for me seeing Alonzo Spellman show up in Detroit with the Lions. Now, I knew that that meant I may not be long for Detroit because now they brought in Alonzo Spellman to essentially take a lot of these reps that they were giving me before I started hobbling around everywhere. So here comes Zoe, very first day Alonzo Spellman shows up for training camp. We barely had any bodies that were healthy enough anyway, so usually they had me as the guy who – Anthony, go ahead and take on the left tackle. All right, Anthony, flop over to the right side. Take a couple reps against the right tackle in one-on-one pass rush. You know what? Go to the three technique and get some reps over there too. I'm the rookie free agent. They got me doing everything, just like they got the Alex Barzes and before he got hurt, the Larry Borums and Arlington Hambrights of the world. These guys are getting all kinds of work out there right now. Now, my rookie was 20 years ago. We could stay out on the practice field as long as they wanted to. The NFLPA didn't have all these regulations in place for two-a-days and how much time you could spend padded up and everything else. So Alonzo Spellman, first day he shows up, they actually gave me a little bit of a break. Charles Haley, my D-line coach, wanted to see how good a shape Alonzo Spellman was in. So they line up Alonzo Spellman and have him face Detroit's starting right tackle. Then they have him face Detroit's starting right guard. Then, as we're going through one-on-one pass rush, they have Zoe face the center. They have Zoe face the left guard. They have Zoe face the left tackle. And by the end of him repeatedly taking reps over and over and over again, he must have went through the entire two deep by himself, just solo, having him go against this, these guys over and over again. By the end of it, literally, the entire Detroit Lions offensive line is laying on the ground. By the time Alonzo Spellman has gotten done with him, it was the most remarkable display I've ever seen in one-on-one pass rush. Alonzo Spellman looked superhuman, as he did for very brief moments during his Bears career. There's a lot of other reasons why things didn't work out for Alonzo Spellman, a lot of things with his, with his mental health and some of the other issues that he had off the field. But for a very brief moment in time when he showed up with the Detroit Lions, he looked like Bruce Smith. He looked like Reggie White. So eventually, I get cut by Detroit, and Alonzo Spellman ends up making the team until, you know, 
he went all Alonzo Spellman on the Lions, and they, they decided that he wasn't mentally stable enough to, uh, to continue as a member of their franchise, and they ended up bringing me back in off of Green Bay's practice squad. So there, there's a much longer and more detailed version of that story that I could have told, but as it relates to Larry Borm, this opportunity he has gotten because of injury, he was taking advantage of it, and I hope will continue to take advantage of it I'm not going to make any big judgments yet or proclamations on Larry Borum being a competent starting left tackle for the Chicago Bears until hopefully he's able to return to the practice field healthy and then get some hopefully preseason work also on game days. And we'll see what he has the potential to mature into. So I'm definitely not going to discount him because whether it's a mid round pick or a late round pick or an undrafted free agent, there's a lot of guys with more than enough physical capabilities to compete at a high level at this level. So I'm not just going to discount the, the possibility that Larry Borm could step onto the field and perform well. He will need to be aided by the coaching staff with the scheme they run for me to be more confident about it. I just hope that him being in the concussion protocol, that he's able to get back, get himself right, and get healthy enough to continue to get the work in that he's going to need to prove himself worthy and capable of that opportunity because if he doesn't the whole can't make the club in the tub thing is likely to sick him and they eventually like I was asking Kevin Fishmane about will very likely go out and find some other veteran presence from somewhere because frankly they should have already insulated themselves in that manner anyway the fact that they haven't all these injuries on the O-line have reared their head and now they're kind of in a must-sign position. They got to go out and find some other bodies because you can't go into these three preseason games with eight or nine guys up front. They know that, so I'm fairly confident they're going to either somebody's, somebody's, plural, are going to be coming back healthy really soon or they're going to have to make some transactions here just to make sure they can survive because you don't want all these other guys who you're going to be counting on getting a bunch of reps in the preseason. It's just going to be a, a law of diminishing returns at a certain point here. So I got one segment to go here on the score. I do want to tell you, since I'm heading out to practice in the morning, my top five bears I am personally excited to see, not only on the practice field, but as we approach the regular season. I also see we got a caller on the line who wants to talk a little bears as well, so we'll get to that on the other side of this timeout. So a bunch of things to get to in my final minutes here with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Cole Komet, after those snaps he had at Family Fest the other day, he came in and said, I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous going into this coach. This was right after the period and when he was snapping. And he only had like two high ones, but the other ones were pretty good. So shoot, who knows? A lot of folks occupying new spaces, new places. Bears just trying to patch these holes up where they can, but they appear to be just showing up in every witchy way. Every direction they look, there's some hole that needs to be patched. One of them at long snapper as well due to COVID protocols. So, you know, we'll see how everything works out along those lines as well. I would anticipate at least at long snapper they will be experienced again by the time the regular season hits. But it's just one of those things that ends up being an additional concern. No doubt, no surprise, Matt Nagy keeping his his air of positivity around all these things as well. I actually got a little bit worried in the commercial break myself because I, I very briefly had a bout with the hiccups that lasted for a few seconds. I'm like, going to have to hiccup my way through the last 10 minutes of the show. Fortunately, I have persevered. I've bared down as I'm talking about the football team 
out at Hallis Hall. Let's get out to the phone lines, though. We've got Ryan out in Park Ridge. I've been talking bears, flapping my gums about that for the last 45 minutes or so. Ryan, what's happening, man? You got Anthony Heron. What's up? All right. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm good. Oh, well, it's great to hear you more when the season's coming on. You've been on for a couple of years now, and uh, scores had a tradition of having former players and the insight you give. You seem to not only have some good stories, but you you break them down pretty well. I look forward to see what you get out of camp. My question is about Robert Quinn. In the last week I read it, he said he didn't have a good year last year. He expects to have a much better year this year under Sean Desai. He thinks he's going to be used in a better way than Chuck Pagano was used in him. Do you know what, besides not dropping into coverage as much, what can we expect to see Robert Quinn bounce back this year? Uh, it's a good question, Ryan. I, I think there's a couple of different angles where I think Robert Quinn has the potential for a bigger season this year. First off, I, I just and between some things I've been told by by folks, you know, a little closer to the situation than me, and frankly, my personal observations also. I think Robert Quinn was just kind of dealing with a little bit of a flat tire, whatever exactly that was. You know, some rumors were maybe he was even dealing with drop foot for a little while. I don't know that that ever actually completely leaves you, but you look at Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith, who after a surgery, he was dealing with drop foot for a little while and through a lot of rehabilitation and some some extra training that he was able to do, they got him to the point where he had his full explosiveness and athleticism return as good as anything before the surgery. So I don't know that for sure. There were some rumors about that with Robert Quinn, but I would certainly say that just through my observation, even if it wasn't drop foot, there were definitely, to me, just in looking at it, he appeared to have some issues just in turning the corner, being able to plant his lower body to be able to get that short corner. He could burst off the line pretty well, especially after he got in better shape last season, but to be able to absorb the force necessary at the apex apex point of his rushes to really turn the corner and then burst to finish at the QB, I didn't see that at the level that Robert Quinn was able to execute those types of maneuvers and that type of of turning of the corner in other points in his career, certainly even the season before he came here to Chicago. So if his lower body is healthier, that's going to make all the difference in the world regardless. But then in addition to that, even though Robert Quinn isn't one of these guys who's you know, 6'7", 280 pounds, who you think of as kind of the hulking edge defender, who has his hand in the dirt and rushes from a three-point stance, he does rush more effectively with his hand down. I think that was something Chuck Pagano got a better sense for as the season continued last year. He's athletic enough where some of the, the versatile things they ask him to do, I think he'll be able to carry out. But within Sean Desai's scheme, I think, frankly, it'll be a lot of finding those moments where Robert Quinn can put his hand in the dirt and, and go wreak havoc in the opposing backfield with a little less to concern himself about, you know, not necessarily taking on tight ends, not being in a two-point stance and, and sort of shucking blockers off the edge, finding as many opportunities as possible for him to be in seek-and-destroy mode coming off the edge. Now, there's 11 guys on the field who would love to have one responsibility and just be in attack mode the whole time. That's the most fun and easy way to play defense he's still going to have to to occupy a number of different uh, opportunities and roles. But I think the more opportunities that Robert Quinn can just be simply a pass rusher, that'll be best for him. 
for Sean Desai, though, as the first-year defensive coordinator calling all these signals, he'll have to balance how frequently is it just about Robert Quinn rushing the passer versus making sure other guys have their opportunities to go and sick him, to go make plays, to be in attack mode, because you can't necessarily have 11 guys in attack mode. Someone is usually in a position where they have to cover up for some of those individuals out there within a defense as well. I'll, I'll be looking forward to getting a look at you know, while Robert Quinn won't likely be on the practice field tomorrow from the, the time he's been missing here, but just a look at what the scheme looks like when I get out to Hallis Hall in the morning to go check out the Bears practice. Uh, I mentioned I was going to tell you my top five Bears I'm excited to see, not just for the, the practice field itself, but for the regular season. I work up through those pretty quickly. Number five is Sam Mustafer. Uh, or Max Rustifer, as the afternoon guys lovingly call him. For Sam Mustafer at the center position, he was an undrafted free agent like I was, and he was a guy who you know, worked through the whole practice squad time frame and finally got an opportunity last year after being around the organization for a while. And then once his opportunity came, he shined in it. And so now he enters this season as the odds-on favorite to man the center position because then you can have White, Heron, Daniels playing the guard positions for it, and you have – what you should feel pretty good about having sort of a lockdown interior of your offensive line. But with Mustafer, I'm not immediately thinking the guy's going to start making Pro Bowls here. You know, there were things that they did schematically that allowed what might be some physical limitations, some size and strength limitations for Mustafer to not be to not be exploited by opponents at times in the season. So I hope that's still a part of the Bears game plan, because if it is what he brings to the table in aptitude, He'll be surrounded by enough talent seemingly on the interior where I, I hope Sam Mustafer will continue to play at a high level. Excited to watch him. Excited to watch Jalen Johnson. He'll be number four on my list at the corner. Told you guys as soon as the – actually told you guys before the Bears drafted him last year that I hope they went and got Jalen Johnson. They did it. He performed up to the status of his draft pick, and that was really with multiple – both shoulders were still kind of banged up throughout the season last year. It affected his tackling. Now, between being able to be more healthy, more physical, and, of course, unfortunately, they had to get rid of Kyle Fuller, so he's going to be CB1 out there for the Bears. I don't think he's going to be tracking and trailing guys all over the field, but he's a high-level player. He's a high-level cover corner, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what year two in the NFL means for Jalen Johnson. Number three is Eddie Goldman, as I'm working up my list here, the top five Bears I'm excited to see. Eddie Goldman, you know, hopefully, as, as he comes out of COVID protocol, He's healthy both physically and mentally and can be that, that rock, that, that sort of stone quarry on the interior of the Bears defense that makes everyone's lives around him that much easier because he's a guy who's capable and willing to do the dirty work on the interior in a way that Bilal Nichols doesn't necessarily do at that high level. Bilal Nichols is a playmaker. He's a mover. He's a penetrator. That's where he's flourished at the NFL level. Now with Eddie Goldman back out there, hopefully he looks like his old self. Who knows, it'd be great if he looked even better than his old self. But if you get the Eddie Goldman that we used to see when the Bears were a top five and top ten run defense for multiple seasons in a row, then that can be something that pushes them into more and more of the predictable downs and distances because the run D can perform at that high level. At number two, Tevin Jenkins. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just basing this off of right now. He is not on the pup list. He's not on injured reserve. So right now, fingers are crossed, we'll get to see him on the field sometime in the not-too-distant future because you got to see what this guy's going to be able to do at left tackle. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later. So, again, this list is not only about the practice field tomorrow. It's about spinning this forward towards the regular season as well. And number one, I said this to Lawrence Holmes. 
when I was on with him earlier in the week. I told Loho, the bear I am most excited to watch this season. It's a guy who showed all kind of star potential. I can't wait to see what they do with Darnell Mooney in this Bears offense. I, I just think that there is so much game that this young man has being a fifth-round pick coming out of Tulane, and we didn't see nearly as much of it as there could have been last year because they just couldn't get the ball to him down the field. He was running scot-free past defenders over and over again. Mitch is missing him. Nick is missing him. Nagy's missing him. Darnell Mooney has star potential, and I really hope they find a way to to feature him in this offense in a variety of ways because he has got a very well-rounded game for a young wide receiver, and it sounds like he's been studying very closely under Allen Robinson, which is a great decision for him to make, man. I'm so excited to see what Darnell Mooney looks like within this Bears offense this coming season. Two hours flew by. Appreciate you listening out there. My thanks to Mike Rankin holding it down on the ones and twos for me. Thanks to the guests who joined me on the hotline tonight, Jared Willis and Kevin Fishbane. My appreciations and salutations to all of you for out there listening. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ad Heron. Talk to you again soon on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. All right. Well, see you later. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.